Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast where we engage questions of life and theology, and hopefully we do so in a responsible but slightly humorous from time to time manner. Mm. I'm Daniel Corey. I'm pastor at at King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. And I'm Josh Loftus, member at King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. (laughs) How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? You still tired? I'm so good. Sponsor time. It's going to be a long end. Renewed. Oh, dude. Yeah, we're already starting off with a winner. Renewed man. Renewed Talking man about grooming. winners. Let's talk about something that actually will make Ma- us. It'll matter. It, it, it actually matters. Yeah. Renewed man grooming makes some incredible, incredible beard products. Gentlemen, if you use their oil, your face will shine like Moses coming down from Sinai. And they will try to put a veil in your beard. Don't to which them. you will say, absolutely not. And if they insist, open the ground, and it may and swallow it will them. Swallow them in <laughs> yeah. gypsies tabuk. <laughs> <laughs> Head on over to renewedman.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Renewed Man Grooming. Uh, get all of your beard products. They're going to be sponsored here for a few more reps. Really love these guys. They sent us some amazing beard stuff. We love it. You will love it. Go get yourself some. Renewed man grooming. I literally like, use their products literally every day. I used it right before coming here so that my really? microphone would smell like Christmas. So, Josh. Yeah. Weird thing. I know I know where we're going. You I don't know where we're going. You buy sweats overalls now. Did you know that? Sweats overalls. They're called, I'm not, not lying, swoveralls. <laughs> Didn't know where we were going, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you can get. Yes. Posh I want sweat these. overalls. They're called swoveralls. Swoveralls. And unless you get the the like high end version, yeah, which yeah. is in the one thirties, whoa, you can get you a pair for ninety five bucks. Okay, so no joke, real talk here. You would totally. Do I legitimately that. want these swoveralls. Can I wear these to church? Would you let me wear these to church? Would you wear something over the top end, or would it? That's just be... not the question. Is well, I no, wear something underneath the overalls. That's the question. I would assume no. Yeah, of course not. Okay. So, yeah. but if you just wear those with no shirt, I'm going to say no. 
on the church. But thing. like I'm from Tanasket though. Like I, that's why I'm having shirtless to ask. with overalls. So comfy. They call it business cash. That's, oh, yeah, business, that's, casual that's business cash in Tanasket. <laughs> Schwoveralls is business cash in Tanasket, man. So the other thing oh, is, I want these. Uh, sometimes churches do weird things. This this is true. Have you noticed this before? I know you've had a mainly uneventful church life and experience, but yeah, have right. you? <laughs> My church experiences up to this point have been so uneventful. So <laughs> so boring. Uh, just take it from me. Yeah. Sometimes churches do weird things. That's f- that's fair. You know, like for some reason, United Methodist churches do weird things. There's a small church in United Methodist Church in Minneapolis. I don't know if our listeners. I feel like I feel like this is the Drudge Report now. Just a small universe, a small United Methodist church in the suburbs of Minneapolis, St. Paul, are worried about their funerals. Literally to, this. I want you to continue they, reading it. In, in this, that in voice. that. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Held after church shuts doors in June, the church plans to reopen after several months, but traditional hymns could be missing. <laughs> anyway, long story short, there's a United Methodist Church in Minneapolis that is closing their doors in order to rebrand and relaunch. Yeah. But in the midst of this, they asked like all the elderly in their church to go find another church <laughs> so that they can attract more young people. I, this is not a Babylon Bee article. This, Are you sure? This, <laughs> yes, this actually happened. They told their old folks to leave. Get to Steppen. Get to Steppen. Oh, That's terrible. I know. Can you imagine? Okay, how would it go over in our church? Yeah. Here. Yeah. If you were to like one side, they'd be like, "Hey, everyone over sixty-five, we need you to bounce." So sorry. We y- you have to leave. We need more. We need more young people. How would that go? Uh, with like over with my elders or just in no pun intended on that one. But um, <laughs> that would not go That's well. That's a slow burner. That's it wouldn't go well. It wouldn't go well. It's I would, uh, it's I would be rebuked. You would be and, and right, rightly rebuked. So is there anything that we can do as a church that prevents things like this? Because you have some churches that just seem to just kind of whatever women fancy they have, they do whatever they want. Whim, There's like no structure. Comma, fancy. I said women fancy. Like, like, <laughs> like women. Whatever. No, whim and. It's okay. And, no, no, that is not what you said. No, you no, said and, any kind of old women fancy. <laughs> Dude, that's what that's you said. Shan, defend me. Whim and fancy. So, yeah, D- Daniel, there are. Really, there are some crazy churches out there that do some crazy things, and I just wish that there was a structure mm-hmm. that we could have, some sort of system, some things to put in place. I know where you're going with this to help churches. You want to be Presbyterian? I, <laughs> yeah. Don't answer that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, there's uh, like there's like the this sirens call. There's this desire to like everyone do feels the need want. to. Write their own doctrinal statement. Write their own policy. Write their own vows. Don't even get me going sure. on people writing their own vows. Oh, okay. Oh, I man. Will. That's horrible. <laughs> I'll try not to get you going. <laughs> no, no, please that. do. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's awful. So okay, go, ahead. Uh, go, go back in your cage, okay, Alex I'm Smith. Back, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Alex Smith? Isn't that the name of- Jones. Uh, Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. Alex Smith is a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, completely different. Whatever. Uh, anyway, yes, there are churches that want to do their own thing. And Carve their own way. Do you know what would help with that? Having um, some standards 
that have stood the test of time yeah. would be helpful. Oh, it would. Uh, it would. Which brings us to our topic I for wish, today. I wish there were some out there. I really do. You know, Josh, there is. And what? for ninety nine ninety five. Yes. I can have two of them if I call within the next five minutes. We will throw it. Yes. Uh, so there's these things. Uh, if you are new to the Reformed world. Yep. You're new to Reformed theology, covenantalism, and you are feeling like you are stuck inside of that song that Aladdin sang to Jasmine as they were on the A magic carpet. A whole new world. First off, welcome. Welcome. Second off. You've probably heard terms like creeds, catechisms, confessions, and you've wondered, what are these things? And so Josh and I want to be the first. We want to be the magic carpet for you. We want to carry you around. show you the whole new world. (laughs) Don't you dare close your eyes. (laughs) Or your new fantastic point of view. No, it's actually an old historic Everything point of view. Everything to tell us where to go. <laughs> it's it's an old historic point of <laughs> oh, view. Oh, that's right. That's right. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so often when you come to um, Reformed theology, you kind of hear these terms thrown around, maybe Puritans. I remember one time someone asked me, like, all right, who, who are the Puritans and why does everyone love them? Yeah. And it was a great conversation because I got to tell them why the Puritans are the best. You probably got cagey, didn't you? No, I was like, a kid in a candy store. Okay. All right. That's fair. So, um, what are these three things? One of them. So, yeah. one of them yeah. is when we talked about the definition for being covenantal, you had to be yes. covenantal. Con- yes. And confessional. Confessional. Yes. Which means Confession. You have to confess your sins. Y- yes. To so. a priest. No. Behind a door. Yeah. That they say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> Why would I bless you for this, my son? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good yeah. Why why? No, we are not You've talking You've done some horrible things yeah. this week. Why do you want me to bless you? No, we are not talking about that kind of confessions. No. 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 So confessions being historic documents that are standards of faith that the church yes. has held publicly so yes. they are open to criticism, mm-hmm. open to critique and have stood the test of time. So in the Reformed world, there's kind of these three categories of documents. I know you're, you're sitting there listening to this going, man, I was hoping they would talk about categories oh, of... of uh, everyone's just yeah. like... like Salivating. Everyone's so excited right now. A confession is a longer statement of faith. So churches often write statements of faith that are a couple of pages. Yeah. These big boys... Don't need to do that. Yeah, well, number one, don't reinvent the wheel. It's already there. Number two... I can point you to two. Awesome ones. Uh, the second London and the first London. Assuredly, that's all you had well, in mind. I, yeah, I was <clears> thinking <throat> more the second London and the Westminster. Oh, right, right, Yeah, right, right, got to right. throw some love to the Presby brothers. Uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So, yep. when we talk about confessions, what we're talking about is very long um, statements of faith that have chapters. And in yep. those chapters, there are paragraphs explaining justification, a view of Scripture, a view of Christ, a view of the Trinity, mm-hmm. what is the um, mediatorial office of Christ, the Lord's how are Supper, we saved. The Sabbath. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much everything that, that churches will put in a statement of faith as, we believe this about this. That That's what confessions it's are. It's like that, but way, way bigger better. and way more awesome. Way more thorough. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. Yeah. So Second London, I think, is somewhere around seventy pages. You can get a little booklet. Sixteen eighty nine, baby. Sixteen eighty nine. All the way. Yes. Which is the confession that you and I would 
say we adhere to. Yep. And, King's and Cross is a second London church. Yep. Yes. That's right. Reformed Baptist, typically. Spurgeon was a 1689. If it's good enough for the Spurge, good enough for us. Yeah. Um, the other would be like the Westminster is the probably the most popular of yep. all confessions, which is basically the 1689 with pedo baptism. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> uh, and Presbyterian form government. and Presbyterian form. Yep. Um, you could go for the Belgic confession, so you that's could. the uh, trivia points. Yep. First confession, and yep. uh, the guy who wrote it was martyred later on. Yeah, which just makes it even better. That's pretty dope. That's pretty awesome. Uh, first and second Helvetic, stuff like that. Yep. Pretty cool. Yep. Josh, why would you want, as a church mm. and as an individual, why would you want to adhere to mm. a 500-year-old antiquated yeah. document? So that I can't make up what we believe as a church. You don't think that we're the first people to get Christianity right? No. Oh. I'm sorry. It's just not true. Are you sorry? I'm I'm not. Okay. No. No, I want a confession and I want one personally, I want to personally adhere to a confession. Yeah. As well as I want the church that I go to to adhere to a confession because it's it's basically what I just said. There is already a wheel that has been created by very smart, very godly people to express the truths that are in Scripture. Now, we aren't saying that confessions are the Bible. No. they We're not saying that. It is just a sussing out, if you will, an explanation of the truths that we believe in Scripture. And I want something, I want there to be a standard. Yeah. Just as Scripture is our standard of truth for everything, yes, I want there to be a standard personally and for the church that we can point to and be like, when we're talking about doctrine, when we're talking about trying to figure out, you know, what is, how are we going to, deal with this as a church what is our practice going to be let's go to the confession first and foremost it's always scripture of course yeah but then how that's practically done sure let's go to the confession let's see what this says and i just happen to think that that is the best practice uh to do both personally and and corporately as a church so uh it's good on on a number of levels one of them is that it communicates to us to our community and to our children that uh, we're not the first Christians to walk the, the earth, that we believe the same things that they have for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and that we, uh, I, I think there's an element of humility that we need because we're not the first one, that we, we're not the first ones to get it. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes, it takes away the opportunity, if you will, for just self-interpretation and, and practice. Like, oh, this is what it means to me, therefore yeah. I'm going to just live this way. So if you have if you adhere to one of those um, confessions as a church, it's going to hopefully keep you from doing crazy squirrely things like kicking out all of the old people in your church. Yeah, because they actually have um, paragraphs in there about loving one another, mm-hmm. caring for the elderly, yeah. um, not doing weird junk, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. So, and and you know, you know what's interesting? I want to touch on this just real quick. Before, when I was first coming into Reformed theology, uh, I didn't like confessionalism. Why? Because the only exposure that I had to confessionalism mm-hmm. were individuals putting the confessions on the same level of Scripture. Ooh. That was the only thing that I had. Yeah. Like, I would actually hear statements... Of the like, it's like, where, well, you know, where if we're going to look at one or the other, let's lean more toward what the confessions say 
Okay. And it's that's not what we're saying. No. That's not what we're saying. No. There are some individuals in the ref, even in the reform world that I would say put an overemphasis on confessions. Yes, you can take it too far. Right. But that so the abuse of a thing does not negate no, the proper use of a thing. No, and that's where I got stuck. Sure. Is I had not been exposed to actually the correct use of confessions. Right. So before we go any farther, if someone were to ask you, like I'm asking you right now, how does one you're holding the Bible in one hand and say the sixteen and eighty nine in the other. Yeah. How do we interact those two in regards to life and practice, both personally and as a church? The Bible is, it sits alone in its preeminence, its supremacy, its authority, and a confession is only as good as the truth in the Bible that it reflects. Okay. And so it is, if you were to show them like vertically, it is, it is below the Bible, mm. um, but it's very, it's very valuable because it reflects the Bible. So, I mean, if you look at the very language in a confession, most of it's stolen straight out of scripture like it right. even wants to say things the way that the scripture says things mm-hmm. now it is a product of human thinking is it's it's basically a group of pastors ministers and theologians saying this is what we believe the bible teaches right so um is there the occasion for error yeah yeah I actually there there's a few things in the second london where i would read it and go you know I don't think I would have said it that way. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a grievous doctrinal error by any means. Yeah. But there's a few turns of a phrase where I go, you know, I probably would have said that differently. Sure. But they're very, very valuable. Now, if being confessional is part of being covenantal and it shows our unity with church history, with the church throughout the ages, with doctrinal standards that have been subject of public scrutiny and withstood the test of time, and they can there's safeguards from keeping us from doing squirrely things. Why is it? I don't know if there is a crisp answer to this. Sure. Why do dispensational churches not adhere to confessions? I don't know of one yeah. dispensational church. I, I have a theory, but I was wondering if you had one. I think <clears throat> it's hard to hold to the dispensational way of interpreting scripture while at the same time being while at the same time adhering to a confession because the writers of the confessions were covenantal in their interpretation. Yes. So you don't, you didn't, you don't within the, within the covenantal system and the confessions, you're not, they aren't working with the presupposition that you are dealing with scripture through a dispensational lens. Yeah. I I would say that dispensationalism. So dispensational as the system arose in the 1830s. Yeah. It's actually pretty new. Means pre eighteen thirties, right? You don't have dispensationalists. No, no, right. So this is this is actually one of the reasons why I know I've got some dispensational brothers and sisters who won't appreciate this next piece, but I think it's important to think through. If your system has not been around except for the last hundred and seventy years, yeah, that would at least be. It doesn't definitively mean it's wrong. But it, would, it should be at least a red flag saying, you know, where did my system of thinking come from? And as Covenantal guys, we got to think of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Where did our our system did develop? And it was codified and brought about by like William Perkins and others. But yeah, um, the dispensationalists don't have confessions that go back like that. 
They no. don't, they don't have ones that have stood the test of time that have been public, um, publicly scrutinized and looked at. But if you look at the Belgic, the Westminster, the Second London, um, they're five hundred years old or four hundred right. years old. Right. Um, they have stood for centuries. And we update the language. It's not like they're full of these and thous. Yeah. But I love uh, adhering to a document that I know that saints for centuries have said, this is what we believe about Jesus. This is what yeah. we believe about the church. This is what we believe about doctrine. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, again, and, and I, you know, I want to say this graciously again. I hope my, yeah, I hope my dispensational brothers and sisters hear my heart in this, but it's very difficult for me. And I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. It is. It's very difficult for me to put stock and believe into a system of interpreting scripture that was created in America. That was created only 170 years ago. Well, so it's uh, some parts of it started in, um, in England. Yeah, it was popular. Sure. Catholic it was popular. girl who's getting visions. I'm what? not. <laughs> oh, the Catholic. Yeah. The Catholic yeah, girl. The, the, the charismatic. That's right. Catholic girl. Yeah, who got visions. Yeah. And that's where the rapture popular- came from. Popularized. What do you say? Pop popular. It blew up. <laughs> it blew so, up in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A preacher rapture came about from a young lady in, uh, was it Ireland or Britain? Same thing. <laughs> No, <laughs> I was homeschooled <laughs> somewhere over the water. <laughs> the Grand Kingdom over there. Yeah, um, that's where the first time in we're we're seeing uh, someone believe in or hold a pre-trib a rapture that is separated from this the coming of Christ. Sure. And so then you're seeing it developed and propagated in America and um, parts of Great Britain. But it uh, it really only flourishes in the West, yeah. Which isn't, I think there are reasons for that. But we that that's going way down a rabbit hole. Way but down a rabbit hole. So confessions are important. Super important. Super important. It's if important. I were looking for a church, I would look for a church that held to a doctrinal standard, being the Westminster or the Second London. Yes, because I know that those are time tested, and um, very very well crafted. Yeah. One of the other C's, if we're thinking three C's, uh, first would be confessions. The other would be creeds. Creeds, the band. I was going to say great music. Yes, fantastic band. <laughs> so here at King's Cross, we uh, we have two creeds um, in the back of the hymnal that we confess as part of our liturgy on a Lord's Day. Yeah. We don't do them every Lord's Day, but we confess them. We confess the Apostles' Creed, and we confess the Nicene Creed. Uh, trivia, Josh. Okay. What heresy does the Nicene Creed seek to correct? What did they fight against? What view? Appreciate the clarification. Yeah. Arianism. That is correct. The doctrine that the deity of Christ is false. The uh, the assertion that it was false, yes. And they That's would the say that he was of like substance, not of the same like substance, substance with the Father. Which has a whole bunch of problems. So the Nicene says, very God of very God. Mm-hmm. Which uh, really seeks to and says, and being of the same substance with the Father. Right. Right. There's also the Chalcedonian Creed, um, and the I think the big four would be Apostles, Nicene, Chalcedonian, and uh, Athanasian are mm. the big ones. I'm sure there are a few others, but these are um, creeds. Kind of fall into the category of what should every Christian be able to confess? Uh, something that that is so succinct. That it transcends like um, denominational boundaries, right. and basically, know, if you're Orthodox Christian, if you're a Christian, you must be you able, be able to, to confess these things. Yeah, right. I believe in God the Father. 
I believe in Christ. Right. Uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic the Church. The basics of being a Christian. Right. And so those are usually, they fit on one page. Yep. You can often memorize them. And we, um, from time to time, confess them as part of our liturgy here because we think it's important mm-hmm. for us to be uh, confessing together what we as Christians believe and what Christians have believed for a few thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, well, and again, the, you know, the creeds are based on Scripture. We aren't just, they, they aren't pulling them out of... They're not going out on any branches. No, no. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. They're not. When you confess the truths in the creed, you are confessing Orthodox Christianity, yeah. which is biblical truth. You believe in the resurrection of the dead. That is not going out there. Back no. Well, really? D- does the Bible? Yeah, the Bible teaches yeah. that. Yes, the Bible teaches that. The yeah. other of the C's, oh, not yes. just confessions. Here we go. Not just creeds, but. Can I say it? Yeah. Can I? Can I? Catechisms. Can you conjugate that verb into the teaching of catechisms? <laughs> Conjugate, baby. Well, cat. So nine lives. Nine of them. Catechesis, Catechesis. is the, the right answer there, Josh. <laughs> Which I find what? to be one of the most delightful words to say. You say it to yourself every morning, don't you? I just giggle and go, <laughs> catechesis. Catechesis. <laughs> catechesis. So to catechize someone sounds yes. like you're branding them, but uh, that's not what it no, is. No, no, no. So what is, Josh, you were raised in uh, a house that had a, a catechism, right? Your dad yeah. walked you through the Westminster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents actually went through the, the Westminster Shorter as a kid, and we, I mean, you know, the very first question, what is what is man's primary purpose? Mm. To glorify so, God. I still struggle with that translation. But keep, that's keep fair. So that's fair. Going, what is going. the chief end of man? There, How about that? You, you, you like that one. I'm hard to please. Sa- you are hard to please. Same answer. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes. Right. So, yeah, I think it's super important, especially for kids. So so that's where I want to get to. Okay. What is yeah, yeah, a catechism yeah. aimed at? Educating Children. kids. Children. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, it's not. It's good for adults, too. But I say start with your kids because your kids are sponges. They're going to yeah. remember so much more than when you get old and you can't remember anything. Yeah, a catechism is a teaching tool. It right. teaches theology in a question and answer format right. to uh, to kids and to adults. And it's always humbling to read like the Heidelberg, my favorite catechism. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You read that and you go, oh, this was taught to children. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you like... We're teaching this to adults right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kids, ba- kids, catechized kids, c- catechized Catechized. Catechized. Yeah. Sure. Kids who have undergone catechesis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they, they're they smarter. Yes, and, they are. And, and, and it's actually, because here's the thing. What I found growing up mm-hmm. is how many theological doctrines and truths built upon the simple question and answers that I memorized. Yeah. You know, even that first one, what is, sorry, here, I will give it to you. What is the chief end of man? Come down to my level. I will drop down a little bit, right? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Simple thing. A kid can rattle off. That statement is theologically huge. Yeah. That you are answering, it's the big philosophical question. Yeah. What is the meaning of life, right? Yeah. It's the main, it answers it right there. Everything that you are here for is for the glory of God. Everything builds on that. And yeah. it's so it's so funny how often I will be in church or I'll be listening to a sermon or reading and my mind will go back to those catechisms. You're thinking about catechisms while I'm preaching? Like it's so boring that you have to entertain yourself somehow? It's so boring that even catechisms are more enjoyable. 
Wow. <laughs> Faithful are the wounds. <laughs> kissy, kissy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I actually think kids would do, uh, you know, we, we, we say as a church we have this huge epidemic problem with kids going off to college and being just train wrecked yeah. of their faith. And I'm saying, yeah. well, well, did we train them in what we even believe? No. There are some kids who, like, they come back and th- they say they've renounced their faith. And you ask, like, well, what, like, how did this happen? And they're like, I totally didn't, like, someone asked me this. I hadn't thought of it. And you're like, that, these are basics. Like, we are failing our kids here. Um, like, and I, I think that they're they're deep. One of the uh, catechisms my daughter brought, so my daughter goes to a classical Christian school. And she... Um, in first grade had a catechism. I don't remember which one it was, but one of the questions is talking through the crucifixion and the resurrection. And it's talking about his enemies. Yeah. And it says, but are not his speaking of Christ are not his enemies powerful. Mm. And the answer is no, he has brought them to nothing. Oh, mm. I love dude. So good. <laughs> dude, that is awesome. So good. And we're teaching our kids this. Yeah. Um, even with our, our two-year-old, who's now three, we've been, for family worship, going through a kid's catechism where it's just basically, who yeah. made you? God made me. What else did God make? Which one are you going through? The new city? Uh, no, it's it's one oh, put okay. together by Tom Askell. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. So you can get, he organizes um, catechism questions, scriptures, and hymns, and he gradiates them by grade level and so as oh, they grow right. the answers get more complex right on the hymns get more complex the bible passages get longer right and so right it's really good material yeah well and you know it's it's it honestly i love catechisms because it provides you with practical substantial doctrine to repeat to yourself yeah when things are going wrong or things are going great Sure. Or you need to be reminded of a truth about who God is, right? Yeah. There's a and I love it every time we bring it up. I don't think we say it every Sunday. We might. It's out of the Heidelberg, and the question, and I, it's one of it's one of my favorite. You you're you're winning me over the, with a Heidelberg. Whoa. You're winning me over to the Heidelberg. Let me guess from the, the question. You can read the answer, but is uh, who is to come, or who is able to come to the Lord's table? No, it's actually not that one. Oh, it's, that's a legit one. But that one's amazing. Well, that one's so good. It is, what is your only comfort in life and death? That's my favorite. Heidelberg one. Heidelberg read, read question one. Answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his pre- precious blood. He has set me free from, from the, power all the power of the devil. Yep. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. That's why we need catechisms. Yeah. So we don't we don't do that very as often as we should. I would like to do it more, but it's amazing. Uh, it's like, so good. I mean, I mean that catechisms give you just that rich, yeah, doctrine yeah. that you can pull to mind mm-hmm. when you need it. Most of them are centered around they they kind of said, well, what what three big things must we, our kids know? Right, and um, they tend to. I'm, I don't know of any 
time where it wouldn't be the case. They um, walk through the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, yep, and the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, those tend to be the big three chunks. Where like, you know what, our kids need to have a working understanding of those three big pieces, right? And um, so they go through go through all those three and a couple, um, you know, other side things. But yeah. They are excellent tools to be used. I use I use a couple of the Heidelberg f- every week, either um, things question 80, um, who's able to come to the Lord's table, uh, or um, another one, how does the how does the Lord's Supper assure me that mm-hmm. basically that Christ is, is, is mine, not yeah. just that he is, but that he is my own. Yeah. Um, so we use those every week when we go to the table. Yeah. Well, uh, well and, you know, and so good. And, yeah. And, and people that are either in church ministry or leading your families in worship or teaching your kids, like use the catechisms. Don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Don't reinvent it. You don't, you're not going to think up anything better than what's here. Right. If you want, yeah. if you want something to like, oh man, we're, we're having communion today at church. I need something to read. I, you know, yeah, dude, pull out the Heidelberg oh, on the Lord's supper. The it will wreck you. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as cat- key catechisms, you've got the Westminster Shorter, yep. the Longer. Yep. You've got the Baptist uh, Catechism. Yep. Uh, you got my favorite, which is the Heidelberg, which is organized into 52 Lord's yep. Days. Spoiler, that's a year's worth. So if you just read them as a family Sunday morning to get your hearts ready for worship, oh man, you would be ready. Yeah. You would, uh, you would have... A faithful guide. The Heidelberg is called the Church's Book of Comfort mm. because of its first question. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of you have the New City Catechism, yeah, which is kind Tim of Tim Keller kind of put that together, yeah. and it's good. It, I, so I used it for a college group when I was uh, in college ministry. You can get a awesome app for yep. your phone, and I at, there's no excuse to not have some no. catechism at your fingertips. Um, the new the New City. I've not walked through all of it. Mm. But from what I've seen is good. Yep. 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 Yeah, it's really good. So we've got confessions, we've got creeds, and we've got catechisms. All three and very beneficial for both personal and church use. These things, I think, should be applied to church life, personal life, and the fruit should be humility, Mm. not... Oh, look at how much I know. Or, or not just being like pompous. Like yeah. if someone's like, "Hey, I'm really benefiting from the new, the new city." Be like, pff, pff. It's no. It's not it, the larger. It's no. It's no Heidelberg. <laughs> <laughs> Let's what do you got for Korean culture, boy. I've never wanted it more. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the song I have for you today. This is going to give change you my life. Uh, yes, yeah, going to change your life. It's going to give you a little peek into i think the eclectic taste that i have in music will this give me a view into your soul sure if you Mm. will yeah okay you're not gonna like that uh the song is called kingdom and it's by the wait let me guess let me guess michael jackson no all right why is that always your first choice miley cyrus no okay devin townsend project that was my next Yes. Yes, right. I knew it was going to be. It's released in the year 2000. 20 years ago. I like how you're able to tell me, me all of this, and I still have no idea. I'm not expecting you to know. Chan, do you know what this is? Whoa. Kingdom, even Chan. the Devin Townsend Project. Here you go. Let's hear it.
part of my brain just died. Is that the part you use or the, the part that you don't use? There's not much left. Dude, this is good. So there's some good, like, like some double kick and bass. It's like some, yeah, some good progressive metal. The lyrics are going to surprise you. Well, the voice is going to surprise you. What are you expecting right now for a voice? Yes, exactly. Satan, Satan. <laughs> Satan. No. <laughs> no. Longest intro. It's it's it, it's a long intro, but here we go. These lyrics are going to hit you right here. It's a choir boy. What, dude, this is amazing. Sounds so 80s. Oh, no, it's 2000. It, he, no, but he's trying to sound like he's 80s. It's so good. I imagine you singing like this in the car when you're like by yourself. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe on the way here today. <laughs> What's he talking about? I don't know. Don't ask me these things. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I know about that? <laughs> you, you're expecting me to put way more effort into this than I actually am willing to do. <laughs> it is. Um, I'll say this way. It's not the worst thing you've shown me. So there's a part of this that you actually like a little bit. Yeah. What part? The gap between um, notes. <laughs> when it's quiet? Yeah. <laughs> the distortion? Dude, now, listen to this. Listen to this. Oh, man. It's, like, it sounds angry. Draw your sword, put your shield up, because we are going to war. No, that's not what it's about. It's like be angry at the machine. No. Anti-government. No. No. Anti-authority. Anti-loose-fitting jeans. Oh, man. Well. Anyway. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us saunter, meander, ramble our way through some of the creeds, confessions, and catechesis of the Christian life. Right. You can follow us on all of the sociables. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Reformatory Pod. That's right. You can become a Patreon. Yes. Please help us on Patreon. And send us some cheddar. Kashishe. And we will reward you yes. richly. Richly. With Beyond your wildest various and sundry items. Sundry? It is various and sundry. It's not various and a sundry. It's various. Say, it's, it, they're not incendiary items. No. No. Various and yes. sundry. Head on over to our sponsor, Renewed Man, uh, www.renewedman.com. Get yourself some amazing beard oil. Follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Renewed Man Grooming. And get you some beard oils, beard balms, beard essentials. It's amazing. Thank you all for joining us. Out. Bye. <laughs>